one to the party, the podcast where we check in with someone who's checking out a classic film, long-running TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Last One to the Party. If you've been enjoying other episodes of the podcast, do us a favor and leave some reviews and some ratings on all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, whatever it may be, your podcast app of choice. It really helps us out to continue doing the show and to get a little bit of a higher profile. This week, Jessica and I are talking about a movie that's a little bit outside the bounds of what we would normally be talking about. It's not an old classic that is maybe at risk of falling through the cracks. This is a newer movie that maybe not enough people have seen, and it deserves a little bit wider attention. Jess and I are going to talk about Widows. It's a terrific movie with a lot of good younger actors as well as some good older actors. We have a little bit of a digression into talking about Robert Duvall, but not many other digressions after that. So we hope you enjoy our discussion on Widows and hope it will inspire you to go seek it out on your own. What did you think it was about, just from the title Widows? I had remembered seeing a preview for it somewhere. I had a memory that it was about the wives of criminals who then undertook some score or series of scores. It was something like that. And there's another movie with Melissa McCarthy that takes place in Hell's Kitchen in the yes. 70s, and they take over for their husbands. Yeah, and I thought, Tiffany oh, Haddish it- and uh, Elizabeth Moss. I forget what it's called. The Kitchen. Yeah, The Kitchen. So I didn't know if it was going to be something like that. And it, it is not. It's, I think much better than that movie well just the, i mean just the critics would say much better i mean i've never saw the kitchen but cr- critically it was fine widows was very lauded and the kitchen was not so widows has a couple of things that put it way ahead of so many other movies steve mcqueen's direction is amazingly great it's so good it's clever and a tiny bit showy but not so showy that it takes you out of it i think when you're looking this is not me like but i know what to look for when you have watched enough movies and you've seen directors and people talk and on and on you start to be able to look for certain things and there's certain real cool things that we will get to that are really slick but i don't think they're so slick that if you weren't attuned to it that you would be confused by it or thrown out of the movie or anything like that so he's He's showing his virtuosity in a really seamless way. So that's great. The other thing was, as I was watching it, was just how tight that script is. And Gillian Flynn, with having done Gone Girl, like she knows how to keep that stuff streamlined. Because yeah. I feel like anything that has a twist in it, because this... Yes, and she wrote the screenplay like- with Steve McQueen. They wrote it together. Yeah. It's Gillian Flynn and Steve McQueen. To, to thinly slice the idea of spoilers. I don't know that it's a spoiler that comes up in this movie as much as it's a twist. It's not at the very end. It's not, I see dead people and it's you, Bruce Willis. Sorry, you've had time to see that movie. It's a twist that reveals itself about two-thirds of the way through, a little past halfway point, somewhere in there. And then it kind of keeps going and then it comes back again without revealing too much. There's there's that. So, But at any, at any rate, the script moves along really well. And it has a lot of respect, I think, for the audience to be able to fill in little gaps and to stay on top of it and sometimes feel like maybe you're ahead of it, but not always be ahead of it. 
Also, the cast is great. The cast is stellar. The acting in the movie is so far above most, I feel like, thrillers you will go see. I don't know if it's, would you call it a thriller? It is. It's a thriller. It's like you don't know. It's a heist movie slash thriller. It's a heist movie. I I don't know that for me it feels like a thriller, but I get what you mean by that when you describe it that way. But uh, the acting is incredible. And it's not just like old studs, you know what I mean? Like people who are like been great for a long time. I mean, granted, Liam Neeson is in it and um, Viola Davis Davis is in it. Colin Farrell's been around for a while, but there's a lot. Duvall, who's. Oh, Duvall, of course, has been around forever. He's doing all of his great Duvall things. What I will say about that, though, I'm jumping ahead. I feel like Duvall, when I first he was, you know, shown, I was like, oh, is this going to be him doing Old Man Scream? But to Steve McQueen, I feel like his direction, you get that, but then it pulls back, and Duvall actually has really just great moments of sincere and grounded and all the feelings, complications. It's uh, nuanced is the word. I I mean, you get there. It seems to me, and maybe it's the inevitability of how long he's been around and the inevitable sort of gaps that happen between movies after you hit a certain age, I feel like in the discussion of important... 70s movies and things like that Robert Duvall's performances get forgotten and I think he is oftentimes the deepest person in a lot of the movies he's in disagree I really enjoy Duvall this might be sacrilege I feel like he is in the vault uh however he's never my favorite in any movie he's in that being said I think he is overlooked in the Godfather series I mean, one and two. I think he's very good in those movies. But he gets looked over because there's flashier roles. He's the, what, the consigliere? How do you say it? Counselor, the consigliere. But I think that's exactly it. He's not necessarily going to be your favorite person in the movie, but he is going to be the guy who's oftentimes kind of really like driving these scenes. When he has those scenes in The Godfather where he talks about Sonny being shot on the causeway and things like that, I mean, it's amazing. Anyway, not to go down a Duval road. Most of the... Actors in this, I feel like, are newish. Maybe to us, I would, I agree. I think maybe to the outside world. Like, uh, let me think. Well, Michelle Rodriguez has been around for a long time, but and if you, I mean, I guess it's just you and I don't watch big blockbusters because she's in all of the Fast and Furious, so she's a huge star. But I don't watch those movies, and so I don't have a real gauge for her. She's really good in this movie. She's fantastic, and as a fellow Latina. I was I really loved her performance and we'll get into it. There's a scene in the movie that really stayed with me. I love so much and she's fantastic in it. But she's great in it. Cynthia Arrivo is in it, who is just just keeps showing she has no bounds to her insane talent. And I love her. You would know her probably most from Harriet Tubman. That it was called Harriet. She played Harriet Tubman, but she was also the lead in Color Purple on Broadway. Her voice is astounding. The woman, how I, what's her name? Who plays the uh is I'm looking it up so I'm confessing my sins here Elizabeth Debicki she's phenomenal and I've never I told James after we finished the movie even though we're not supposed to discuss but I said quickly I was like I have never seen her before this movie and have yet to see her after this movie this movie was made 2018 so I mean I guess there's still time but to me if you'd seen that movie this woman should get a lot of parts she's I think she's phenomenal I mean she holds her own with Viola Davis who Viola Davis is I mean, talk about someone in the vault, someone that's just like a force, and she does it. And then also from what we know him from Atlanta. Yes. Brian Tyree Henry. We love. So good. He's so good. He's so good in Atlanta. I love him in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. If you've never seen Atlanta, watch it. We got to find someone who's never seen Atlanta so we can talk about Atlanta. Atlanta's like one of the best TV shows ever. Watch it right now. FX. He's good in it. 
in a very different part yes, than what he does different. in Atlanta. He's phenomenal. And Daniel Kaluuya Ugh. is also like. But we, everyone knows. I feel like he he's great, was, but he's newer. He's a newer. He's a newer. He's actor. a younger actor. Younger actor. Say, younger. So there's a lot of younger yeah. people in this, which is really great. great. It's kind of energizing. Yeah. Agreed. Energizing. It has a very energizing t- cast to it. It has like uh, like Liam Neeson. I feel like king of these kind of movies at this point, but in a very different role for Liam Neeson and a, like a different feel for him. Oh, and Carrie Coon is in it too, who is is in Fargo, the, the TV show, and The Leftovers, and uh, The Sinner. She works. You would know her right away if you saw her. She's also fantastic. One sort of funny thing that I had, I didn't know that much about Steve McQueen other than the the films that he's done. Me either. I didn't. Well, I've never seen, which now I have to see. I've never seen 12 Years a Slave. Which was phenomenal. You know, I hadn't ever looked up any information about him. I was kind of angry that he's not American. I so I want him to be an American director. I want director. him to be American, too. That's he's really British. just my own. I'm with you. I'm jealous, too. I'm like, can't we have one? Can't he be ours? <laughs> I wanted to go back to his direction. You were saying. So there's a scene yes. where we have heard in conversation. So um, Colin Farrell's character is running for alderman in a very poor district in Chicago. A very black district very in Chicago. Poor and very poor He district. is white, if you don't know who Colin Farrell is. And so... He's meeting with his opponent, who is uh, Brian Tyree Henry, and they're talking about, you know, this upcoming election and kind of sniping at each other a little bit. And Colin Farrell says, I live in the 18th Ward. And Manning points out, no, you have a house on the very edge of the ward. That's not the same thing. So that just gets thrown out there. And this is when the script is so tight. It's so well honed and well crafted. There's a scene where he does a public speaking event. He gets in his car and they drive from that speaking event, which is in the 18th Ward, to his home. And the whole conversation is happening in the car and we don't ever see inside the car. The camera is mounted on the outside of the car. And so we see really... It's like black sedan with uh, tinted windows you can't see in it. And so all you see is the sedan in a third of the picture, third of the frame, and then the neighborhood. And you see the neighborhood until it pulls up to his house and it changes. The neighborhood changes in the last bit. And clearly his house is not of that neighborhood. No, he lives in a mansion in a gated community. He's like on a gated street. Was it the street that was gated or just his No, but his house is gated. But it feels like we've seen these places in America, right? I live in that ward. It's like, no, you live on the street where no one's allowed to come on and you have your own private police force. You occupy that ward. That was the first showy moment without being too showy. I don't think it's showy. I was going to say to you, I wanted to slightly disagree with, I guess, the wording. It's very effective. And I think that's why this, his direction is movie, why I love it so much. It is stylish and it has a voice and a point of view. But when it's great direction, like I think it is in this film, it's telling the story. It is very, uh, like I'm saying it again, stylish camera work. Um, It's probably not the right word, but it's what keeps it from being just like, oh, he's doing that to show off or she's doing that to show off. It is furthering the story. And I feel like exactly what you said. He's shooting that way to show you this is the neighborhood. He's also shooting it because they're saying horrible things in the car. And you can see from the front that their driver is a black driver. He's giving you a lot of subtext from his the ang- and from the pictures which is what makes movies phenomenal and then there's a scene at the end which is this is to me a very fancy mm-hmm. thing where they're in a diner where yes. there are mirrors on the on the pillars in the diner and he shoots it in such a way that you see both their faces but only in the mirrors in the back of the head of of one of them of the two women uh one played by viola davis and um ronnie and the other one played by elizabeth debicki debicki and so those are two moments that stood out to me as being 
very distinctive, effective, but they felt a little bit like clever. In a, and again, this is not in a disparaging way. I know, but clever makes it sound that way to me. But maybe others, maybe other listeners will think differently. It's clever like, ooh, it's like, ooh, that's slick. Yeah, because it's telling the story. What he's doing with the two women in that those frames to me is, in the mirrors, is they're next to each other, but they're divided. They are separate. And not to, this is not a giveaway, but like they have decided they can't talk after this heist goes down. And so even though they're in the same space, they are not together. It is visual storytelling. So, for example, with the scene where they're driving through the neighborhood, out of 10 directors, nine of them maybe do a tracking shot, an external tracking shot maybe, and then zoom into his house and then cut to a scene inside the house. I think most directors are going to shoot where we see Colin Farrell talking to his campaign manager. They just shoot like a two- like a scene with two people, which is... What I mean is if there's a director who wants to make that point of showing his house, it might be that, where it's an external tracking shot. That, I think, would be the more common way of showing that. So that he takes advantage of this conversation to also accomplish that thing. It's smart, and it's, it's an artistically savvy... Move. Yeah. It shows a level of insight into the art form. Again, it's like it's insightful. It's you know, rare. It's insightful. It's rare. It's it's exciting. When you watch, I'm telling you, you have to watch this movie. It's very exciting, visually very exciting. It's that thing. It's like this this third eye opens up or something. It's something along those lines. And so that that sort of stuff in there was terrific. I also want to say he does a lot of really extreme close-ups in this film, which to me are reminiscent of. I mean way, way, way back to George Stevens, who made giant, uh, I was going to say Queen Mary in the attic. Please help me. I have two children. It's COVID. My brain is dead. It's called Anne Frank, the diary of Anne Frank, not Mary Queen in an attic. And um, he also made my one of my favorite films of all time called A Place in the Sun. He does a lot of that too, like extreme close-ups to show kind of like their want and their desire and how they can't get enough of each other. And I feel like Steve McQueen does that a lot in this film and I love it. And he does it in unexpected ways, like in love scenes where, again, you would usually see a two shot of people or, you know, and he just does extremes of people's faces or their hands or parts of their body. And it's so evocative. It feels even more um, intense and intimate than a two shot. It is fantastic. Those things that he does in love scenes made me think immediately of one of your favorite things. (gasps) That's right. Out of sight. Yes, exactly. Which is another great (laughs) film we can talk about. And Steven Soderbergh. I mean, I could talk about Steven Soderbergh all day long. And my woman, J-Lo. But I digress. It's also interesting that it starts out and you see Viola Davis and Liam Neeson in bed. They're a couple. We find out they're married, have been married for a long time. And there's nothing to the interracial aspect of it at first. Yes, which is awesome. Yes. And then it reveals itself how it's it's making this point of, you know, which is all too prevalent today, but it, how it is utterly racial. Everything is racial, especially in the U.S. of A., which, as we know in this moment in time, it is always racial. And yes, he, I love the way the script unfolds that because what it, at first it just shows you this black woman and white man together in bed. And it is... Um, Viola Davis has said like of this script and of getting this role it was so amazing to be able to play the wife of you know Liam Neeson this big movie star white man and there isn't this big talk at the top of the movie about oh why is he with her or isn't that weird that they're together they're just together and they're also together sexually there's a lot of sexual tension and none of that is you know made like a, like a pat on the shoulder like aren't we doing something you know groundbreaking and also it's Viola Davis who is a beautiful woman 
she is a dark-skinned black woman. And I feel like we don't see that either a lot. Usually if it's going to be interracial, we make the black woman, again, it's like, right, Halle Berry, who I love Halle Berry. Halle Berry is very light-skinned. But I feel like when Viola Davis was saying this, it's like, yeah, like it's time to see the whole spectrum of black people, you know, not just the movie is about that. And I do think it's important to have a really dark-skinned black woman playing a lead of a film that is sexy and stylish and smart and she's leading it it's exciting and I I love 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 it but I think that is part of why I want everyone to go see this movie because it introduces that language the, the the visual language of this is what happens but anyway you're right it starts off where the race doesn't matter and then as the film progresses it does matter. And like you said, it always matters. They have a couple scenes where they'll have like maybe two exchanges and they're so cutting and they're so hurtful. Uh, again, the script is so tight. It just takes two lines and you're cut to the bone about their relationship. The story is a mix of politics and heist and a little bit of mystery. And to that end, to me in retrospect, it's evoking some of the best of those movies from the 70s. It feels like there's a little bit of Three Days of the Condor in there and a little bit of maybe The Candidate or something like that or Parallax View the or Parallax something. Parallax View. Something, you know, it's just, and it's not obviously, you know, aping them or biting from them, but the fact that it is mixing these. Yeah, genres Love together. story, heist film, yes. th- mystery, thriller yes. kind of thing and political yeah, has a, machinations. It, yes. All kind of combined, again, a really sophisticated mix. And I think that, that that's another thing that makes it a really exciting thing to watch. I love Avengers movies as much as anybody. They harken back and they touch a point. Where we hardly dis- <laughs> we heartily disagree again. Heartily. Um, <laughs> it touches a thing back from when I was, you know, 11 and 12 and reading comics. And, and they do a great job of evoking them. I love it. But those movies are yeah. dumb. You know, I mean, they're fine. Everybody in them is great. They all do a great job. They they portray these big emotional moments really well. Hats off to everybody. Sort of like eating at the best fast food restaurant. It's a really good burger. It's really good fries. Oh, this milkshake is fantastic. But it's still burgers, fries, and milkshake versus a very subtle experience and a more multi-layered experience, which makes it, to me, stand out because I feel like there's so few of those types of movies that get made. Agreed. Agreed. And how did you feel about, you know, I feel like we've seen these kind of movies, not like this because there's mixed genre, but the idea of like a band of people put together out of necessity, not because they're friends. We see that. We've usually seen that with four or five men. And what did you think about, I think they did, to me, they did a great job of, now it's women banded together. And what does that story look like? That was really great. They banded together out of necessity, out of the threat of Manning coming to exact revenge on them. So that was really great. When I think back on it, what I really like was the omission of certain things. There was no training montage. There was a brief scene where two of the characters practice at least one time at the gun range so that they have had some experience shooting a gun. There's one montage where they practice running with the heist stuff on their back. So they prep that much. And it also, I think it demonstrated pretty well how flying by the seat of their pants they were, even up to the moment where they do the heist. There were things that happened that they just had to roll with and deal with. And they weren't superheroes about it. That part was really great. In terms of just the gender part of it, I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, of course they can do this. You know, that didn't feel so, it didn't shock me as much. We've seen a bunch of movies where that happens, including Oceans, whatever, with Sandra Bullock and also the other The Kitchen and other other things like that. So as a genre, not a genre choice, but as like that thing that didn't surprise me as much, it just I sort of felt like, yeah, okay, and then we'll see these different women struggle with having to achieve this thing. Yeah, I loved it because I think 
it shows how women mourn differently. Like we're watching Viola Davis mourn in the movie and how women mourn differently than men. And then I really need to know Elizabeth DeBecky's character name in the movie. I should know what it is. Alice, that's right, Alice. What it is to be a beautiful woman that is everyone, including her mother, played by Jackie Weaver in the film, is dependent on her looks. I think obviously it's not a story you hear from a lot from men, and I thought I liked that, and I also liked her taking her finally finding her power and that she could stand on her own. I think I like that story. I like that both Cynthia Erivo's character and um, Michelle Rodriguez's character were both mothers. And their children are in the film and what that means to be a mother. And someone has to watch your kids. And you just, I feel like some films like, oh, the kids. And then, you know, where are they? They just magically are taking care of themselves. And I think once you have kids, you're like, no. And especially if you're a mother, it's like it, society looks to you to like, well, where are they? Who's taking care of them? And both of them at that point in the film are single moms. And then the person that ends up taking care of both their kids is Cynthia Rivo's character's mom. So I, I just kind of love the idea of it showing these different aspects happening and like just being discussed and again it's not heavy-handed or anything it's just like this is how these people live and i feel like we don't see that enough in films if this movie had come out in 1974 76 somewhere in there it would be an all-time classic i feel like exactly the same as it is right now people would have been astounded by it and what i, I and i'm going to come back to and i like that it is so because it's political and it is racial and it is a thriller and it is a not romance, but it has a love story. It's all of these things. I love that he, it's set in Chicago, and I love that it's a very multiracial cast. And I do feel like if it was made in the 70s, it would be all white people. Um, it's based on a British show, which James looked up, which is all white people. And I feel like the the real look of this is what America looks like. It's awesome. I'm really, it's, again, the young people, the younger actors in it make it exciting, and so does the racial diversity makes it exciting. And I think now, probably at this point, we're going to end up having to talk about sort of plot points of the movie. Yes. So, so if you want to go in completely clean, you should probably just check out now and come back to it after you've seen it. It's available yes. on, I think it's Amazon Prime as well as uh, iTunes, Apple obviously. TV+. Plus. So yeah. one of the things that I, again, I talked about how tight the script was. The one person who gets shot in the heist at the beginning of the film, his wife is the one who gets shot at the end of the film. Yeah, there's some great moments. There's a moment where Viola Davis is being really harsh with Alice, and she says, no, no more. You're not gonna, nobody's gonna treat me like shit anymore because she was getting abused by her husband. And so that was a nice little moment. The way the heist went off, the way they had enough figured out to get away with it was great. And I also realized at the end, they're in the diner, Viola Davis and, and uh, Alice, are in the diner and they can't talk because they've been involved in this heist. They don't want to do anything. It took me a second to realize was Viola Davis's character didn't know, I don't think, didn't know whether she lived or died until that moment. All she knows is she got shot and she got rushed to the hospital. And I don't know if they ever caught up after that just to touch right. base and say, Alice is out of the hospital, you know. They just divvied up the money and split. So that might have been her first moment of, oh, she made it. And so when she has that last moment of how are you it's you know it's like oh yeah, yeah. and that part last of it is shot you're alive. of the film is stunning the other thing i was curious about mm -hmm. was colin farrell's character does not really want to be in the alderman he does no. not really want to take over his corrupt dad's job because he's not handing him a, a complete you know beautiful diamond right it's this bag of crap he's got to sort of keep perpetuating and he seems to be 
he seems to have some integrity. He seems yeah. to actually want to do the yes. things that he's saying. It doesn't seem like he's just saying these things to get elected. It sounds like as yeah. we go on, he's certainly not an immaculate candidate. He's not no, a perfect no. person, but he seems to actually mean the things that he wants to do. Yeah. And he seems to want to put a stop to that corruption that's been so long standing in his family. And when he and Duval have their their moment, their falling out moment, he just tells him like, all of this is going to be better when you're dead. He says that to his father's face. I mean, that's that's not somebody who's like, I want to get mine too while yeah. the getting's good. Granted, he sets the wheels in motion by engaging no, yeah, someone to yeah. steal two million from his opponent. So yeah. he's not completely, it's not black and white in terms of like, you're the good guy wearing yes. a white hat. You've done some shady shit, but also you have purer intentions. Mm -hmm. So you're not just able to be the bad white guy going against the black guy with a, a troubled past in crime yeah well and, and also manning is not perfect either it's not like the black man is now like the perfect you know man he's also a complicated man and with a very complicated brother and and the preacher is a complicated i mean they really show you every side nobody is walks out clean yeah it seems like the one who's running for alderman he seems to have had a very dangerous past yes they refer to him a couple of times in a way that is he is terrifying. Now, we don't see him do any of the terrifying things. We only see Daniel Kaluuya do the terrifying things. He does come in and he threatens, threatens her. Viola, but he doesn't do anything physical. Or um, The brother does it. His brother is doing all Awful of the muscle things. stuff. Yeah, which there are some scenes, though, that are very difficult to watch, especially the one at the bowling alley where he's... Um, he's basically stabbing, stabbing at the guy who's paralyzed. Yeah, but it's so um, well done. <laughs> It is. It's terrifying. It's like a it's like a new way to show terror. And there's a I was going to say, here come the spoilers. Um, Ronnie and Liam Neeson's character, which I should know the name of, they had a they had a son together who gets shot by the police for being black. Um, he's driving in his parents car and he gets pulled over and he's going to get something out of the glove compartment and he gets shot by the policeman. What I loved about this, obviously, visually was and I didn't notice the first time is he's driving under like a was it in Chicago like the, the L and as he's driving along he hits a part where it's all these Obama posters that say hope 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 he gets pulled over because he does an illegal UE and the cop pulls him over he gets pulled over right in front of the Obama poster saying hope and I was like damn that is some shit and again it's to his credit Stephen Queen's credit he just shows you this scene starting and you don't know who this kid is at this first. kid is this yep. 17 18 year old kid and you're he's talking to his dad and you're like i don't know what this you know it's got to have something to do with something but we don't know yet then you put it together then well i think you hear liam neeson's voice at one point and you're like oh well and also i think they've hinted that they had a son who died yes they say that and so then when you see him get killed it kind of all connects yeah. mm -hmm. and so again he lets you make these connections which are that rush to that connection i think has this really deep emotional impact yes Yes. Yeah, so that was all great. It's in the TV show that Harry... Oh, Rollins, it's Harry. That's Liam Neeson's um, yeah, name. That he's not dead. Yep. Spoiler alert. Yeah. He's not dead. That's in the TV show, dead. which came out 10 years prior to the movie. Right, so but I, I that was all interesting. And then they have their confrontation scene. Yes. And she calls him out for, you know, go go be with your new white wife and They're, have your yep. new white baby. Yep. Because he hooks up with a wife of one of the other team members that he sells out basically and gets killed and there's another great scene which i also love i think so well written and again not in your face where where viola davis 
goes to uh, Carrie Coon's home, who is Liam Neeson's new lover, but you don't know that. Viola Davis is, is waiting, and the dog runs down the hallway in front of another door and is barking at it, barking at it, barking at it. And at first she's like, oh, stop, stop. And she walks down to get the dog, and she sees a flask, and the flask is what she had given her husband, Harry. And you see Viola Davis, again, just a phenomenal actress, have a moment where she's standing outside that door, and you just see her have all these emotions of like, oh my God, is he alive? If he is, he's behind this door. Do I go in? Do I not go in? Like you just, it's like so many emotions. And when she picks the dog up and leaves, you're like, damn, so good. Anyways, bottom line is this movie is phenomenal. It just truly, it's hitting on every cylinder. Uh, The story is tight. The directing is moving and exciting. The cast is just perfection. Um... It's, and I, I feel like we have to give a shout out to the DP, Sean Bobbitt, who also worked with Steve McQueen on 12 Years a Slave. So they might, that happens obviously a lot with directors and DPs. It's like a marriage, right? Once you find that person, you stick with them. I cannot recommend this enough. As an actress, that's a woman of color, but more importantly, like, we need more films with women of color in the leads and women in lead parts and then a black woman as the lead. And Viola Davis should be like, never not working. Yeah, it's phenomenal. This movie is only two years old at this point, so it's not a classic that we're last went to the party on. But I think it's a movie that deserves to be seen year in, year out, time and time again by newer audiences each time. And it becomes one of those movies that people refer back to as, oh, have you seen this? Yes. And I feel like because it's a all-female cast and a woman of color at the lead, it maybe did not get the audience it should have gotten. So I think we're all last ones to the party on this one. So let's all catch up together! If you'd like to follow Jessica online, you can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. And Elena is E-L-A-I-N-A. Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. You can follow me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason, and the theme music is composed by me, James Eason.